The following episode of Annals on Call is brought to you by Annals of Internal Medicine. For more episodes, links to CME and MOC, and disclosures for all speakers, visit go.annals.org slash oncall. Participant statements on this podcast reflect the views of the participants and not necessarily those of the Journal or the American College of Physicians unless so identified. All relevant financial relationships have been mitigated. A couple of years ago, someone wrote an article where they reviewed all the professionalism statements at 144 different medical schools. And what they found was that there's actually almost no consensus on what professionalism means. Welcome to Annals on Call, a podcast based upon articles from the Annals of Internal Medicine in which we discuss the implications of the article for you, the listener. This is Dr. Bob Centaur. I'm Professor Emeritus at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and former chair of the Board of Regents for the American College of Physicians. This episode of Annals on Call features an article titled Rethinking Professionalism Assessments in Medical Education. This appeared in the Annals of May 2022. Our guests are two of the authors of that paper, Rachel Mintz, who is a rising fourth-year MD-PhD student at WashU in St. Louis. She's pursuing a PhD in biomedical engineering with a focus on ovarian cancer metastasis. Also joining us is Leah Pearson, who's an MD-PhD student at Harvard, and her research focuses on ethical issues in medicine and public health. We hope this podcast helps you think a lot about the whole concept of professionalism. Thank you for listening. So Rachel and and Leah, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Your piece about professionalism and how it can be used to harm medical students in the annals uh, was very thought-provoking in a very positive way. I thought what we could do is first start out with talking about the concept of professionalism. Is it definable? And so I'd love to hear both of your thoughts about that and have a little conversation about that. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having us on the podcast. We think this is a really important issue. And one of the reasons we started thinking about this is because we couldn't think of what the professionalism, the definition of professionalism was for ourselves. Like this is something that's referenced a lot in medical education. It's talked about all the time. And I just found myself being really confused about what it actually meant. And so we started looking into this and what we found is that there's actually been research on this. And so a couple of years ago, someone wrote an article where they reviewed all the professionalism statements at 144 different medical schools. And what they found was that there's actually almost no consensus on what professionalism means. So you see these like really lofty definitions that talk about things like respect. Um, You see these sort of more mundane definitions that talk about things like showing up on time. And there isn't really a clear thread running across these different definitions of professionalism. And so what we kind of took away from this is like, at least for now, we are stuck with no clear definition of what professionalism is. And so when talking about professional behavior, medical schools need to be really, really clear about what they mean, um, because if they're not, then that opens the door for a lot of the harms we talk about in the piece. Rachel, any more thoughts on that idea? I think that Leah phrased that really well. And I think the overall point of our article is, as Leah said, because even among ourselves, we couldn't find consensus of a good 
comprehensive, thorough, clear definition of what professionalism is, but the goal of our piece was how we can work within the framework that we're given and move to make the use of professionalism as helpful to medical students as possible rather than harmful. I think another way of putting this is uh, when you say that someone is professional, that's almost like a Rorschach test. You see, you see someone and, and we all see that situation in different terms. You gave a great example in your paper. Is this professional or not professional? Student is held up interviewing a patient. Patient needs to talk, might be about something serious. They're late for rounds. Some attendings would say, great, that student is being very professional and putting the patient first. Others would say that that student is unprofessional because they didn't come to rounds on time. That example, I think, really hits home of the subjective nature of the physician who is rating either a medical student, and this happens with residents. This can happen with attending physicians, especially junior attending physicians. And to use a a term that has no explicit meaning uh, uh, can be very dangerous. This was your uh, example, which I really liked, and maybe you could expand on that a little bit more. Yeah, we also really liked that example. So thank you for saying that. And we took, we looked at a lot of different examples before we could find something that we felt really captured what we were trying to say, which is, as, as you pointed out, an example in which whether the student decided to stay with the patient or whether the student um, decided to leave the patient to be on time for rounds could be perceived as professional or unprofessional, just depending on the person who's assessing it. And I think this, this really shows that Unfortunately, students are sometimes at the whim of their assessors. They have to kind of beforehand think of what will the person evaluating perceive as professional rather than what is or is not professional from an objective point of view. So these shiftings and sometimes even conflicting standards of professionalism may lead students to just listen to what they're told and adhere to the standards established by a given evaluator, which is sometimes arbitrary and hard to predict and frustrating. Um, And that's why I think we chose that example in the end, because it really highlights how professionalism can be different, even given the same situation. Any other thoughts on that, Leah? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really right. Um, and, And we just felt like, in addition to the ambiguity that this leads to in terms of what professional behavior actually consists of, that what this is also going to result in is students just erring on the side of of caution constantly. And so you might think in that example, it's not really clear what caution is there. Like it's not, it's not totally obvious to the student what they should do in that case. But there are other examples. For example, if a, if a student witnesses a clinician doing something unsafe, they might err on the side of caution by being like, I'm not going to speak up about this. If I say anything, I might risk being accused of unprofessional behavior. If I don't say anything, nobody will ever know that I saw this. And so I can't like be accused of behaving in a way that's unprofessional. And so in addition to the opening the door to uncertainty about what professional behavior it is, it also opens the door to this sort of undue subservience that we think is both bad for students' education and also potentially can be bad for patient care. One of the things that we talk about in medical education is making expectations explicit. I try to do that when, when I'm on the wards and make sure that everybody knows what I expect, but there certainly could be situations that I wouldn't think of when I'm giving those that explicit advice. 
Can you give some examples of professionalism standards that an attending physician thought was clear, but really wasn't and uh, has has led to discomfort for a student or a resident or multiple students and residents? Yeah, this is a tricky question because I think you're right that there are certain kinds of behavior where it's like you can't have anticipated beforehand that something the student, like, you know, there's like weird stuff comes up all the time. And so it's not always obvious what kinds of things you need to say uh, because you might not be able to predict every situation. But I think it would be kind of weird to craft definitions of professionalism around these sort of like rare one-off situations rather than saying in a given context, like if you're a, if you're a third-year medical student on your internal medicine rotation, here's generally what's expected of you. We expect you to show up at this time. Here's what we expect you to be wearing. Um, here's what time we expect you to come to rounds. Here's what you should do before rounds and so on and so forth. And then of course, you know, there will be like weird stuff that happens and it's not always going to be possible to articulate your, like your uh, standards for those kinds of one-off situations. But I think I would be pretty reluctant to say that just because you have these weird situations should mean that your professionalism definition needs to just be very vague and undefined, right? Like you can, you can adjust your professionalism definition in those specific contexts to account for those situations, but you shouldn't just build your definition around them before they've even arisen. Rachel, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, I really like what Leah's saying about having context-specific definitions. So catering what would be professional to the specific rotation, like Leah mentioned, the internal medicine rotation, like whether students should be wearing scrubs or formal attire. So rather than saying something like students should dress professionally, which can be vague and open to interpretation that may lead to confusion and anxiety for students on that given rotation, as well as for attendings when they tell a student, oh, dress professionally and they show up in scrubs and they're confused why they're not dressed professionally. If they were to just all say at the outset, this is what Leah is saying step-by-step, step, this is what you should wear, this is when you should show up, then there wouldn't be confusion on either party about what is deemed professional in that particular space. Another problem that I see in medicine all the time is the problem between formative and summative feedback. And to write up a student or a resident as being unprofessional without giving them the chance of advice, say, I perceive this to be unprofessional, let's try to stay away from that, uh, which would be more formative. And maybe one of the problems is that it has been used in a summative way rather than a formative way. Yeah, no, I think this is a really good point. And this was essentially one of the other recommendations we made in the piece, although in somewhat different language, was just to be really compassionate and fair in how you do professionalism assessments. So before you start invoking formal professionalism citations, you should talk to the student. You should understand why they wore scrubs when they were supposed to be wearing formal attire. Did they not understand that that was the expectation? Did nobody tell them? Could they not afford formal attire? You know, whatever it is, try to get to the bottom of it. And then another part of this might be talking to the student's other evaluators. So, you know, if, if there's a, a particular pattern of behavior you're concerned about, like the student's always showing up late, then it's worth identifying that. And then before you start, you know, going through some formal disciplinary or punitive process, working with the student to support them and educate them and help them, 
So, you know, if it's an issue around showing up late because they're having a hard time with transportation, well, it's like figuring out a better way for them to get to the clinic on time or whatever it is. Um, and so to always sort of start with these educational approaches before graduating to something more punitive or disciplinary, because giving someone a formal professionalism citation can have serious long-term implications for their career. It makes it much harder to get a good residency and maybe, yeah, even, get a, sure. maybe even get a good job. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out one or two ideas because your article made me think a lot. There are certain things that I think we could get almost universal agreement on in terms of un, what's unprofessional behavior. And that would be abusing a patient verbally. We don't have to even get physical, verbally abusing staff in the hospital, nurses, clerks, dietitians, physical therapists, whomever you might come in contact with, that to me would be, that's always unprofessional, that, that we could have an agreement on. Would it be feasible to have a group that sat down, and, it would, and in my mind, it would include students and residents and attendings say, what are the, you just can't do this activities, make that clear to people, and leave out some of these other things. And I'd like you to compare that to hairstyles, and uh, what you do when you're not at work, the, the famous article about bathing suits, uh, maybe you could, you could bring up. And maybe, maybe there could be a contrast between things that are really about being a physician and how you're acting as a physician that are separate from who you are as a person during the time you're not a physician. I just wanted to start by saying that Lee and I thought a lot about where professionalism starts and where ethics starts. The idea that you have some of these some of these examples that you gave verbally abusing patients or colleagues and staff members would that be unethical or would that be unprofessional? And you know, as a medical student, we have I think most schools, maybe even all medical schools, have an honor code, right? So what's the difference between having a professionalism statement, an honor code, or a code of ethics? And that's, I think, one of, the, one of the reasons why professionalism is so ambiguous and so hard to define because often it lumps together unintentional harms, such as arriving late or submitting an assignment a little bit late, and really, you know, potentially harmful behaviors like sexual harassment or verbally abusing colleagues or lying or cheating. And these things, as it currently stands, to my understanding, are all perceived universally as unprofessional. And that's why there's a lot of stigma against having these professionalism citations, because you have a broad spectrum of what even is considered unprofessional. So I'm not sure if maybe we should section off professionalism and ethics and keep keep some of the things you're describing in the ethics code and in the honor code that students help craft and they abide by just from an ethics perspective, and then have things that are more day-to-day -day logistical under the realm of professionalism. That's something that, you know, we talked about a little bit and we tried to itemize things that were and were not professional, but there, there becomes, there's always going to be a line there. And it's when do you cross over to this gray area? But I know Leah has thoughts on this too. So I'd love to hear how, what she thinks about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I really want to echo what Rachel said, because I think that there is something insidious that happens when you group this trivial stuff with this really serious stuff. So either 
you're going to end up making a really big deal out of stuff like turning in an assignment late because now that's unprofessional, or you're going to end up trivializing things like abuse because you're lumping it with turning in an assignment late. And so I think Rachel's right that we want to disaggregate these behaviors. And one way you can do that is exactly what you said, just say like, okay, we're going to come up with a list of what is and what is not allowed. And if you want to put those under the heading of professionalism when they're more minor and you want to put them under the heading of, of ethical behaviors when they're more serious, like that's one reasonable way of going about it. But I think it is really important to articulate what that list of behaviors is rather than just saying, be professional. And then it's this sort of, like you said, Rorschach test for whatever a given evaluator wants to put under that label. Yeah, I'm personally having a hard time separating professionalism and ethics, but that might be my problem. But I think that we're really concerned about how you act as a physician. What is your responsibilities of acting as a physician uh, in your interactions with people in the healthcare system and patients and families, et cetera. And it wouldn't be like one instance because one instance may or may not be something that gets to the level of a citation, unless it's really, really bad, but re- repeated behaviors is what concerns me the most. This has been uh, really fascinating. Maybe you could talk about some of the uh, stories that you mentioned in the article sort of to finish up uh, about the bathing suit controversy and the hairstyles controversies. One thing we talk about in the article, and a lot of other people have also written about this, is that this nebulous definition of professionalism really opens the door for bias and for discriminatory treatment. And I think there are sort of two main ways in which this happens. So first, a lot of people have argued that ideas about professionalism behavior, professional behavior are based on a white cultural standard. So there's a recent article in STAT that talks about how black doctors are forced out of training programs at a much higher rate than white doctors. And one of the, the reasons cited in that article is that professionalism standards are based on ideas that are rooted in a white cultural standard. So an example in that article is um, Dr. Boatwright, who was the only Black trainee in his residency when he trained, was repeatedly told to keep his hair trimmed short. Another example of this kind of discrimination is that uh, Dr. Dunaway, who is a Latina physician, talks about when she was a medical student, she was docked points on an OSCE because she was wearing hoop earrings, even though she had been wearing hoop earrings since she was a little kid. And so then even beyond this vague definition of professionalism, you also get into issues around implicit bias of evaluators. And these are particularly acute when evaluators are disproportionately white and male. Um, And so I think one of the reasons that there was so much backlash to the med bikini article is because six of the seven authors on that paper were men and they were evaluating women's social media pages to see if they were wearing bikinis or not. And so there was this sort of like spotlight that was being cast in particular on women's behavior. And I think that this just sort of shows that like when you have this really nebulous definition of professionalism, this opens the door for implicit bias and discriminatory behavior and that the burdens of this are not felt equally by all trainees. Anything to add to that, Rachel? 
I think that Leah really said it really well. Um, the idea that just these notions of professionalism, because they're so ambiguous, it allows people's own subjectivity to kind of impede in some ways their evaluation of professionalism. And that may, that may harm trainees who may be of different ethnicities or races um, or sexes and the people who are evaluating them. I want to thank you all again for writing this article. I certainly hope that uh, whoever the powers are that be, and I can never figure out who the powers are that be, will we'll take this very seriously, that each medical school will take this very seriously. Each residency training program will take this seriously. Because as we've said several times during this conversation, there's a medical student problem, but it's also uh, a residency problem. And you have already brought up examples of that uh, in our conversation. It can be a junior faculty problem. It's less likely to be a problem uh, for someone uh, who's been around for many years like I have, but uh, that, that certainly could happen. The great point that you make, and please tell me if I have this right, is let's make sure we're a little bit more explicit and thoughtful about how we define professionalism, and we must define it uh, in order to be able to critique someone as being unprofessional rather than leaving it to the interpretation of each individual evaluator. Yeah, I think that's really right. And I mean, like you said, we think this is an issue that affects more than medical students. We think that anytime there are these power imbalances, which of course there are many in medicine, that the party with more power has more ability to define what professionalism is, and that to some extent they can leverage that against people who have less power than them, and not always in bad ways, but sometimes in ways that are insidious. And so I think you're right that articulating standards really explicitly is going to create an environment that allows trainees to get better feedback on their behavior, but also just creates more transparency and fairness um, in how we practice medicine. Well, thank you all so much for uh, joining us on the podcast and uh, giving us so much to think about. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Now it's time for Bob's Pearls. This wide-ranging discussion of the concept of professionalism left many thoughts and much unanswered. The concern about uh, professionalism is because it's not well-defined, it can be used to punish students, residents, or even junior faculty based upon the beliefs of the person who is saying that individual is not professional without a standard. Uh, the lack of a standard for professionalism makes this a potential concept of abusing uh, students or residents. We hope that in listening to this discussion, you will have a greater appreciation for why we need to be concerned about professionalism. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. For more episodes, links to CME and MOC, and disclosures for all speakers, visit go.annals.org slash oncall. Participant statements on this podcast reflect the views of the participants and not necessarily those of the Journal or the American College of Physicians unless so identified. All relevant financial relationships have been mitigated. Mm -hmm.